Want to sound like a leader? Start by saying your name right. This is Raj Misa, one of the hottest topics in course design books nowadays with regard to leadership communication is the concept of executive presence. What does it mean? How do you define it? And can it be taught or learned? The Center for Talent Innovation identified three main pillars of it. Appearance, communication skills, and gravitas. Gravitas means things like do your words have to teach? Are you able to make tough decisions and stick with them? One of the missing pieces, when you think about what's integrated really between the lines of broad concepts, like communication skills and gravitas, is vocal executive presence. I call it that. How do you sound when you're making those tough decisions? Does your delivery reinforce your message and establish the image that you want? Or does it undermine it? What happens if I'm trying to diffuse a tense situation and I say, okay, everybody just calm down now. We need to reevaluate the situation. At worst, I'm just adding fuel to the fire. And at best, you may later on gently suggest that I switch to decaf. It's about how we connect. I end up working a lot with people who are preparing for presentations and for press conferences. And they make statements like, we are very passionate about helping children and improving the quality of our schools. And I think to myself, really? Because you could have fooled me. There's a claim of passion, but there's no evidence thereof. The problem is a disconnect between the choice of words and their execution, their delivery. And this creates a problem of credibility. Now there is a historic and seminal study that looked at feelings and attitudes as a result of the consistency or inconsistency in verbal and nonverbal messaging cues. And what they found was when they asked people to evaluate speakers as far as whether or not they thought the speaker sounded sincere, 38% of that evaluation was based on the tonality of the speaker's voice. Tonality becomes things like the ups and downs in your intonation patterns. In contrast, only 7% of those decisions were based on the speaker's words that they chose, and the remaining 55% were looking at nonverbal cues. They were based on nonverbal cues like your posture, your eye contact, etc. Now, this is a study. We have to be very careful because many people love to misquote it. And you'll hear people make grand statements like, well, you know, 55% of all communication is nonverbal. That's not remotely accurate and it's not what the study was talking about. But what can we take from this study is a lot of subsequent research in the area is the importance of sounding credible. I'd like you to think about this. In the context of how you personally prepare for some sort of presentation, do you spend 38% of your time working on the delivery? If you're like most people, you probably spend the vast majority, it's not all, it's working on the contents, your outline, your script, your PowerPoint slides, making sure you got cool graphics and some snazzy animations, crunching your data to put into your spreadsheets. But then after all that work, we sort of wing the delivery, hoping it will be good enough. And in the end, that's just comparatively weak. And it can undermine both your immediate goals and objectives, as well as your long-term image and reputation. The fact is, if you want to be seen as a leader, you have to sound like one.
you have to demonstrate vocal executive presence. Now, a part of vocal executive presence is the ability to read an audience and identity the kind of person from whom they would be the most open to receiving your message and then figure out what kind of person would sound like. Now, to an extent, we're all born with the voice that we have, but we do have a lot of control over how we use it. Margaret Thatcher is a great example of that. She was the first woman in British Parliament. She was overtly mocked by a lot of her opponents with phrases like, me thinks the lady does screech too much. Because when she, pa she was passionate in her argument, her voice would go higher and became rather shrill. So when she decided to run for prime minister, she worked with Tudor from the National Theater who helped her to lower her pitch in order to sound more authoritative. And this is really important because the voice has both cognitive and emotional effects on the listener. Let's start with the cognitive. We talked about tonality, that 38% of the highs and the lows in your voice. And if you use this strategically, it can help actually help the listeners to focus on the most important words and parts of the message, which makes for a lighter processing mode and helps them understand and potentially remember that what we are saying. This can be a persuasive influence. When we listen to speech, we process it in what are called tone units or chunks. We start first by fixating on the intonation patterns and anchoring what we listen to where those highest peaks are. And then if necessary, we follow our imagination to fill in whatever is in these lower sound valleys. An example of this in song lyrics, we all have had this situation where we have been singing along to our favorite song and suddenly we realize that, or perhaps somebody else not so gently points out that we've been singing the words wrong. You ever been there? A lot of nodding. There's a classic song, What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. I think everybody knows this one. And it, in there, there's a line talks about the bright blessed day and the dark six care night, sacred night. But when I was a kid, I thought the light, bright blessed day and the dog say good night. Does this make any sense whatsoever? But I accepted it in part because first and foremost, it matches those intonation patterns and it also matches at those pitch peaks the vowels, the syllables that are up at the top and then in the parts that were less salient, uh, that were less emphasized in those pitch valleys. So I let make up the rest. This also reflects why effective speakers when they're speaking will emphasize the most important words with higher pitch. Now tonality, if you use it strategically, can give a good influence on the very first impressions in attempting to establish ourselves as leaders from the moment we meet somebody. It's really important, of course, to make a good, strong, memorable first impression. But this is difficult when a lot of people feel like they're not even good at remembering the people's names. You ever felt like when I'm going to absell you, but I bought off of that plane? That's because then most people introduce themselves to you, and pronounce their own names wrong. Okay, well, technically, maybe not wrong, but they pronounce them in a way that uses a rhythm and intonation pattern. That does make it more difficult for you to understand what they're saying. By the way, absolutely uh, off of that responsibility because the other half of the time, you're the one introducing yourself to somebody else. So if I want to know that I'm introducing myself and helping the listener to really understand my name, 
by understanding, they can hopefully remember it there. Bye, remember me. I want to start by letting my voice go up like this one, your first name. I'm not finished yet. And then at the top, we'll have a little break. A little pause that will allow for a sound break to indicate word boundary. And then our last name, we want to go down, let the pitch fall. I have to say, now I'm down. Like you're putting a little local period at the end. So instead of blurring your way throughout your introduction, hi, my name is Raj Misa and blah, blah, blah. I want to focus and help my listener to understand. So I'll do my best to say them. Hi, my name is Raj Misa. You'll be amazed at the difference this strategic tonality can make, even in something this small. Of course, if you are a facet in our use of intonation and putting it in the wrong place, we can have the exact opposite effect. We can distract the listener's attention for what's most important, make it harder for them to process what we are saying. One of the most common and, in my opinion, annoying examples of this that's becoming more and more prevalent in society and nowadays is phenomenon called upspeak, otherwise we known as uptalk or more technically high-rise terminal. There's a pattern where people are talking. We keep adding those questions like the tones, 